I realize that for most people, uh, Christmas is for the kids, right? Um, the kids get up early, they open presents, uh, they eat breakfast, they spend the day playing with their toys, maybe riding a new bicycle, and uh, doing that with other friends out in the neighborhood. It's very likely that some here, some of you here, are very interested in those aspects of Christmas, which is to say you're probably hoping that I don't drag on, uh, and I promise I won't. Uh, at least I don't intend to. Yet for all those traditions, getting up early, opening presents, which I'm sure many of you have already done this morning, learning to ride that new bicycle, maybe overeating uh, as a tradition, these are all things that we celebrate around Christmas time. My goal this morning is to search out, well, other things to celebrate. Dare I say, maybe better things to celebrate. And with that, if you would, I'm going to invite you to stand, and we are going to read our passage this morning, and that's from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. Luke chapter 1, verse 39 through 45. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. This morning we're going to focus in on verse 45. Really, I just want to talk about that one verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 45. Uh, and this morning we'll see in this verse two actions to celebrate this Christmas day. We might say it like this, Elizabeth's words to Mary give us two actions to celebrate this Christmas day if you're taking notes. Before we discover these two actions, however, we have to take notice of what Mary says here by using the word blessed. She says Mary is blessed in verse 45. Blessed is she. Uh, this is from the word, uh, this, from this word, I'm going to frame this idea of celebration. We're familiar with the word blessed because it's the same word that Jesus uses in the Beatitudes, which we know well. In Luke's gospel, as he records the Beatitudes, he says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. And blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Of course, this is Jesus saying this. And then he says, rejoice and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is, reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. To be blessed is to be fortunate. It's to be happy, really. Notice that in the Beatitudes, or the blessing that I just quoted, Jesus speaks of those who are blessed, and then he says, rejoice, leap for joy. To speak of a blessing is to speak of something worth 
celebrating. To proclaim that Mary is blessed is to commemorate, to acknowledge, to honor her. It's to make her an example and, you might say, to celebrate her, at least to celebrate the faith that she has. That being said, what I'd like to do is explore this morning the reasons why Elizabeth says Mary is blessed, and that's what I'm going to kind of pull out from this verse 45. And the first reason is found in Elizabeth's words, blessed is she who believed. Blessed is she who believed. These words give us our first action to celebrate on this Christmas day, and we could say it like this, our faith is worth celebrating. Our faith is worth celebrating. Elizabeth celebrates the fact that Mary believed the words of the angel Gabriel. Chapter 1, verse 35, we studied these last week. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Apparently, Mary was not like Zechariah, who earlier in the chapter doubts the angel's words. You remember that. Recall the discipline that Zechariah received for not believing. This is in Luke chapter 1, verse 20. And behold, you'll be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. The action of believing is an important action in the Bible. It's one we actually talk about nearly every time we gather together. We speak about believing because, like Mary, believing is an action God calls us to. You could look at multiple passages to make this point, but think of Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Now, after Jesus, John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying... The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Acts 19.4. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who is to come after him. That is Jesus. Shouldn't be news to us that the New Testament, the Bible, calls us to believe in God, to place faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Even the purpose statement of the gospel of John, which we're studying right now in John chapter 20, verse 31. But these are written, that is the signs that are written in the gospel of John, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, and that believing you may have life in his name. What does it mean to believe? What does it mean for Mary to believe the words of the angel Gabriel? Mike Fabrez shares a story of a group of second grade Sunday school kids whose teacher asks, what is faith? What does it mean to believe? To which the second grader replied, faith is believing something you know isn't true. Not exactly, right? At least not, not, that's not the kind of faith that the Bible calls us to. Mary didn't have a, a wishful, cross-your-fingers kind of belief. That's not at all what the Bible means when it speaks of belief. Nor is believing something mere mental assent. It's not just uh, understanding the facts about something. It's more than that. The biblical concept of belief implies trust. That's really what belief is in the Bible. It's trust. 
For, for Mary to believe the words of Gabriel is for her to trust in these words. It's to trust, the God, trust in the God behind these words. Specifically, it's to trust that as a virgin, she will conceive. That's what he said. And so when Elizabeth praises her, blesses her for believing, that's what it is that she believed, that she would, in fact, be with a child. And she believed it. Maybe you've heard this illustration. Imagine a daredevil walking a tightrope across the Grand Canyon. He walks back and forth, and we're amazed. Then he walks a wheelbarrow full of bricks across the tightrope. Again, of course, we're amazed. That's an amazing thing to do. The daredevil then asks us, do you believe I can put a person in this wheelbarrow and walk him across the canyon? Of course, we believe that. He put the bricks in the wheelbarrow. But then the daredevil turns to you and asks you, do you want to get in the wheelbarrow? There's quite a difference between believing someone and trusting in someone. They're two different things. What Elizabeth is celebrating is not some wishful, cross-your-fingers belief, nor is she celebrating a mere mental assent. The faith that's worth celebrating is the faith that trusts in, in that God, in a God, in the God, to bring us safely across the canyon. Sports and music have given us the Hall of Fame. I'm sure you're familiar with the Hall of Fame. Well, the Bible has given us a Hall of Faith. Maybe you've heard about it. It's in Hebrews chapter 11. In fact, if you want to turn there, I do want to read a couple verses from Hebrews chapter 11. You don't have to, but if you're quick with your Bible. Uh, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, the author celebrates the faith of many different people. Uh, he celebrates the faith of Abel and Enoch and Noah, the faith of Abraham and the patriarchs. The author memorializes the faith of Moses and even the nation of Israel, believe it or not. He writes, by faith the people crossed the Red Sea in verse 29 of that chapter. He praises the faith of Rahab and Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel. He doesn't, of course, have the time to recount all of these stories, but he summarizes the experiences of the faithful in chapter 11, verses 33 and following. He says this, who through faith conquered kingdoms, they enforced justice, obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the power of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. They were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. The faithful, faithful women, received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had promised something better for us. That apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Therefore, 
Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Although not named, I have no doubt that we would find Mary's name etched somewhere in this hall of faith. I find verse 40 of that section particularly interesting. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. The author moves from the past to the present. He, he explains all of these past faithfulness in, in the past, these faithful people, and then all of a sudden, he moves to the present, and he talks about us. He puts us in this long heritage or this history of faithfulness. The author of Hebrews inserts us into the greatest history ever told, the history of faith. And then chapter 12, verse 1, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Here we have something truly wonderful to celebrate this Christmas season, even this Christmas day. You and I are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. We're in a long line, a long heritage of faithful people, of which Mary is a part of that. And Mary is blessed. She is fortunate. She is happy because she she has faith and she believes. And so we're a part of that history. We're a part of that faithfulness. In fact, I think one of the most poignant, if not encouraging things we do once a week is to gather together as the faithful to gather together and acknowledge that we all believe in Jesus and we sing him praises. It's a great encouragement to my heart and I hope it is to yours as we celebrate our faith together and worship our Savior. Elizabeth was therefore right to celebrate Mary's faith and it is right for us to celebrate our faith, even each other's faith. Returning to Luke chapter one, verse 45 we discover a second action to celebrate this Christmas day. God's fulfillment is worth celebrating. This is our second action. God's fulfillment is worth celebrating. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Along with celebrating the fact that Mary believed, Elizabeth celebrates what exactly Mary believed. Namely, that God would achieve his aim. Mary believed that the words spoken from the Lord would achieve its desired purpose. And in fact, it did. Although the birth of Jesus is only given in two sentences, Luke chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. What a contrast to the, to the greatness of this baby as described to Mary in chapter 1, verse 32. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. Whether the, the place of Christ's birth was some building used for cattle or a cave used as a stable, the setting seems dishonorable for such one. Even more... Mary laid the baby in a manger, a feeding trough. 
lest we think that, Gabriel's, that Gabriel got it wrong, an angel appears to some nearby shepherds and declares, chapter 2, verse 10, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all, for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. As the angel delivered this message, suddenly the heavens open and a great multitude of angels appear and declare, verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Can you imagine what the shepherds would have done at that point? I think Joel commented to that earlier this morning. You can't see, I can't help but see a little bit of humor in verse 16. And, when they, and, and with haste, they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a, ma- a manger. I imagine they went with haste. It was pretty compelling to see the heavens opened and the angels crying out about this one. They did not waste time moving, finding their way to Bethlehem. And of course, these shepherds shared their experience. Verse 17, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what shepherds told them. And then finally, we're given verse 19. It's a wonderful verse. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. From the angel Gabriel's visit to this moment would have been less than a year. In just a short time, this young woman has been visited by an angel. She's seen an aged and previously barren woman, her relative, birth a child. She traveled across the country late in her pregnancy. And now the shepherds are declaring that the the angels of heaven had declared or have declared that her son is Savior, Messiah, and Lord. I imagine there was much to treasure, much to ponder up in her heart. Elizabeth, Elizabeth was right to pronounce that Mary was blessed. Mary believed that God would carry out his word, and in fact, he did, just as he promised. Certainly, God's actions are worth celebrating, and if Elizabeth can celebrate God's fulfillment before the birth of Jesus, certainly we can celebrate after the birth of Jesus. Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11 says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Here we have something to celebrate this Christmas day, namely that God's promises shall stand and that God's word shall succeed. And the words given to Mary in the birth of Jesus are a testimony to this. This Christmas day, you and I have two actions to celebrate. The first action is ours. It's our faith. The second action is God's. It's God's fulfillment. Here we have a compelling portrait in which both our faith and God's fulfillment are found. I like this quote from Augustine. He kind of put these ideas together. He writes, God is not a deceiver that he should offer to support us and then, 
when we lean upon him, should slip away from us. Or to return to a previous illustration, God will carry you across the canyon. I would, however, be remiss if I didn't say that, well, faith is the requirement. You have to trust the Lord to get into the wheelbarrow. This morning we've mentioned angels, talked a little bit about angels. I've, I've given you two actions for us to celebrate this Christmas. Do you know what the angels celebrate? Well, if you still have your Bible open, Luke chapter 15 gives us a picture of what tells us what the, what the angels celebrate. Luke 15, verse 7, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And verse 10, Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Well, we don't have to do all the celebrating this Christmas. Why don't we give the angels something to celebrate this Christmas day? I don't know if you've heard Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, but it's an important verse. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a powerful testimony of what God does and how he saves us. For with a heart one believes and is justified, and with a mouth one confesses and is saved. For those of us who have confessed with our mouth and believed in our heart, we have two things to celebrate today, our faith and God's fulfillment. And in the case that you might turn to Jesus on this Christmas day, the angels even now are saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. May this Christmas, babe, may, may this Christmas be a Christmas to celebrate. Merry Christmas.